Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, April 29th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap what was a disappointing, kind of disgusting, pretty abysmal defensive performance from the Orioles on Thursday afternoon that led to a 10-5 loss to the Yankees and the O's being swept in the three-game series in the Bronx. We'll get you the five things you need to know from that loss to New York. Then we'll start a new segment here on the pod, calling it Farm Friday, where we'll take a look at some good performers over the past week in each of the four Orioles minor league affiliates. And then at the end of the pod, we will preview the start of the Orioles' 10-game homestand. It's a three-game series as the Boston Red Sox come to Camden Yards. And we'll take a look at the pitching matchups and who could maybe make their major league debut for the Orioles coming up this weekend. But that is all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles. Your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So today, our final episode of the week, we're talking all things Orioles, and we'll start by recapping another O's loss to the Yankees. But first, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or others. And if you listen on those platforms and could leave a five-star rating and a review, that really, really helps out the pod. Remember, Monday through Friday, all new episodes of the podcast every day of the week. And we're here on YouTube as well, so make sure to hit that red subscribe button right down there. Subscribe to the YouTube page, even if you don't watch on YouTube. If you could just head over, quickly hit that red subscribe button on the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. doesn't change your life at all. You don't get any notifications. It doesn't, you know, any annoying alerts on your phone. No emails, but it does help out the pot a lot. Also, like, comment on the videos as well. It really, really helps us out. But again, just want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And... For your first listen today, we start with another Orioles loss as the O's fall 10-5 to the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium on Thursday afternoon, and they are swept out of the Bronx in a three-game series. O's have lost four in a row and have dropped to 6-13 and through 19 games now this season. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 10-5 loss to the Yankees. And the first thing you need to know, well, this is what everybody knows from watching Thursday's game. The Orioles' defense was absolutely abysmal, horrific. Any way you want to slice it, they were terrible defensively in this game. And the number of errors doesn't even fully paint the picture of how bad the Orioles were in this one. I mean, there were a couple plays that weren't called errors that could have been. They ended up making five errors on the day. But if you were a harsh scorer, you could have given the Orioles seven errors in this game in which they played the field for eight innings. It was bad. And of course, the real blow-up was in the fifth inning. The O's were leading 2-0 heading into the bottom of the fifth. And you had a grounder that Kelvin Gutierrez made a nice stop on and then couldn't make a good throw to first. Then you had Jorge Mateo boot a routine ground ball at shortstop. And then you had, you know, Rugnet Odor on a ball that ended up being a hit off the bat of Aaron Judge, but it was right at him, just kind of ate him up and went into right field. Then the next inning, you had Mike Bauman not being able to field his position. Ball goes off his glove, picks it up, throws it, you know, up against the wall down the right field line. Just some terrible defense. Mateo makes another bad play in the eighth inning at shortstop. It was, 
it was not good to watch at all for the Orioles. And you know what happens when you play that bad a defense? You force your starter out of the game. And the Yankees in this game, I mean, they scored 10 runs. Six of them were unearned. They had only four earned runs out of the 10 they scored. And three of the four Orioles pitchers, well, let's say this, three of the four Orioles pitchers today were charged with at least one run. All of those pitchers had at least one unearned run on their scorecard. Zimmerman, four unearned, Bauman, one unearned, and Paul Fry, one unearned against him among the, the runs they gave up. Terrible, terrible defense from the Orioles. And I mean, you're never going to win a game making five errors. They were just, they were bad. They got to regroup defensively. It was Gutierrez, Mateo, Odor, and Mancini in the infield, and it was not a good-looking defensive group on Thursday afternoon. But the second thing you need to know from the Orioles' loss is that despite those errors, I mean, Bruce Zimmerman did pitch pretty well again for the Orioles. His final line in this one, his fourth start of the year, four and a third innings of work. He allowed four runs, but all of them were unearned. So zero earned runs on five hits. Struck out five, walked one, and his ERA is now down to .93 on the season because none of those runs were earned that he gave up in the fifth. He, he rolled through four scoreless innings, got out there in the fifth, and his defense just collapsed on him, and it was four unearned runs, and he only was able to record one out in that fifth inning before he came out of the game. Now, this, I will say, was Zimmerman's worst start of his four this year. And even though he gave up no earned runs, he still did give up some legitimate hits in that fifth inning that allowed some of those runners to score. And, I mean, you got to tell it like it is here. I mean, you know, Bruce did get hit hard in this game. He gave up nine hard-hit balls in this game as well. Those are anything off the bat 95 miles per hour or more in terms of exit velocity. He did not have his best, best A-plus stuff, but he was still pretty good. And... You know, it was interesting to to see kind of Bruce's pitch mix again because once again, StatCast showed that he was throwing a sinker in this game. Now, StatCast was a little wonky at Yankee Stadium today, but in general, it showed a sinker. Remember, he threw five sinkers in his last start. It was kind of the first time it had showed up. This one shows he threw six sinkers in this start. But what I really loved from Bruce Zimmerman in this start is that even if you combine the sinker with the four-seamer, and combine those two pitches, it was 24 seamers and six sinkers he threw out of 76 pitches. Even if you combine those two into just one category of fastball, it was not his most used pitch on the day. He threw 27 changeups to 26 fastballs with 19 sliders and four curveballs on the day. That is what you like to see from Bruce Zimmerman. That changeup is an elite pitch. We talked about it on the episode earlier this week on Tuesday, talking about how Zimmerman could end up being better than John Means. Make sure to go back and check out that episode. But he threw 27 changeups. That was 36% of the time. He got a couple of whiffs on the pitch. It was in the strike zone a lot. Seven called strikes on it. It was moving like it does, tailing away from the righties. It was a really good pitch. His fastball, again, wasn't good. <laughs> Just frankly, he threw 24 seamers. You know, it's, it's 90 miles an hour. Doesn't get any whiffs. He gets one called strike on the whole pitch. Ball gets put in play a couple of times. And it's just not a good pitch for him. And he's kind of going away from it. And it's really interesting to see back-to-back -back starts. Now he's thrown five and then six pitches that have been categorized as sinkers by StatCast. And I'd really like someone to ask Bruce or, or try and find out, you know, if that's just a 
something going wrong on StatCast or if he really is trying to change the shape of his fastball. Because as we know, since he's gotten to the big leagues, his four-seam fastball has been by far his worst pitch. It's been terrible. It's been knocked around. It was, again, in this one. But if he's trying to throw a sinker in there, and listen, you know, he did get two called strikes on the of the six pitches that were called sinkers. It was, you know, kind of the same velocity. It was uh, 90 miles an hour, but it'll be interesting to see if he's trying to change the shape of that fastball. Because if I was Zimmerman, I would do that. The four-seamer's been so bad, you got to try to change something up to go along with the rest of your off-speed. But that'll be something to watch. I just love that he threw the changeup as his most used pitch. But his best pitch on the day... His slider was unbelievable. Through 19 sliders, that was 25% of the time, he got six whiffs on that slider. Had just eight whiffs on the day, six of them on the slider. They only swung at that slider 10 times. Six of them were swings and misses. He also got some called strikes at a 53% CSW. That's called strike and whiff percentage. Anything over 30% is considered a really good day for a pitch. 53% is absurdly elite for a pitch that you throw 19 times in one game. That slider, I mean, he got the lefties with it. He got the righties with it. Had a really good back foot slider to strike out Aaron Judge in this one. You know, he was hit hard a little bit, but he did the things I wanted him to do. Go more changeups than fastballs. Rely on that slider against lefties. Another good start for Zimmerman. His defense just let him down. But the third thing you need to know from this one, let's switch it to the offensive side for the Orioles. After earlier in this series, the eight runs they scored on Tuesday were the most this season. How about they had their most hits of the season in this one? Now, they only scored five runs, but the O's had 14 hits in this game. That is a season high. And in fact, it is the only double-digit hit game on the season for the O's. Despite scoring eight runs on Tuesday, they did it on only seven hits. They doubled that, 14 hits in the game on Thursday. And you're thinking, well, how did the Orioles get only five runs on 14 hits? Well, that's a pretty good question. I mean, Kelvin Gutierrez had a two-hit day, Ryan McKenna a two-hit day, Rugnet Odor had a three-hit day, Trey Mancini a two-hit day, Austin Hayes had a four-hit day, which we'll get to in a second, Jorge Mateo added a hit as well for the Orioles. Well, there were a good amount of infield hits, it was a lot of singles, although the O's did have seven doubles of the 14 hits, now no home runs, but seven doubles, 14 hits, you got to score more than five runs. And yet the Orioles, going into the ninth inning, were one for ten with runners in scoring position. Most of the doubles until the ninth came with nobody on base. They just are almost allergic to getting the big hit with a runner in scoring position. The fact that you can get 14 hits and only five runs is ridiculous. And now, let me tell you, they did get some hits with runners in scoring position in the ninth. That's how they scored three runs to make the score look a little better. They ended up with three hits with runners in scoring position to get those three runs home. In the ninth inning, it was Ron Marinaccio, I believe is how you say his name, uh, who came into the game for the Yankees. And uh, the rookie did not look good at all. Gave up three runs and got two outs. But, you know, it was nice to see those hits against a bad pitcher. But, I mean, one for 10 with runners in scoring position through the first eight innings, you got to have more than five runs on 14 hits. But, hey, at the very least, the Orioles, you know, do get the five runs. And they continue, you know, what kind of started in that Angels series over the weekend that the offense is definitely looking a whole lot better. But as the offense looks better, the fourth thing you need to know from this one is that the bullpen is starting to tail off a little bit. It had been elite for the first three weeks or so of the season 
but just starting to tail off a little bit. Brian Baker came in the game for Bruce Zimmerman in the fifth. He didn't end up getting charged with a run, but didn't have his best stuff. Then we saw Mike Bauman for an inning and two-thirds where he really struggled to find the strike zone. Three hits, two runs, one earned, no strikeouts, and two walks. Took Bauman 47 pitches uh, to get just five outs in this one. Now, the velocity was good. You know, he was up to, to 98 with that fastball, but, I mean, in general, for Mike Bauman, it just he kind of didn't know where that fastball was going a lot of the times. He only got four whiffs on those 47 pitches, and it just it it just wasn't great from him again out of the pen. And then you had Paul Fry with a disaster outing, an inning and a third, one hit, four runs, three earned. He did have four strikeouts, just one walk, but gave up the three-run home run in the inning to Aaron Judge, which broke it wide open in the eighth. Fry's ERA is now 10.29 on the season and the four strikeouts were nice you know all four of his outs were via the strikeout and he threw some pretty nasty pitches to get those four k's but the other stuff was not good for paul fry who had to throw 37 pitches 22 of them were sliders again you know went to that slider and he did have eight whiffs and he did have five whiffs on the slider and the slider looked pretty good but the fastball and changeup did not and i just don't know what to do with paul fry he clearly he doesn't look nearly as bad as he did late last year but a 10-plus ERA is still not looking good from Paul Fry. And then the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 10-5 loss to the Yankees, how about Austin Hayes? You know, overall a good game for the offense, getting 14 hits, but how about Hayes? His first career four-hit game, he goes four for five with a career-high three doubles. Now, of course, because the Orioles couldn't do anything with runners in scoring position, he ended up with only one RBI. That was on an RBI double in the ninth inning, but... Hayes continues to heat up at the plate, now hitting a team-high 279. He has a team-high 835 OPS. He jumped Anthony Santander in that category. In this one, is Santander's on-base streak to start the season ends at 18 games as he goes 0 for 5 with a strikeout in this one, despite everybody else getting hits in this one. But Austin Hayes, so far through 19 games, he's been the Orioles' best hitter, and he's been especially red-hot over the past week or so, so definitely a big-time development for Austin Hayes. But despite the 14 hits, Orioles defense was terrible, couldn't hit with runners in scoring position, and didn't get the best bullpen work. And at the end of the day, they lose 10-5 and are swept by the Yankees. But, you know, despite the struggles continuing at the major league level, Orioles now 6-13, and the minor league level continues to have success in the number one farm system in baseball. And in just a second, we're going to talk about that farm system for a Farm Friday segment to highlight some guys who've been on fire on the mound and at the plate over the past week in the Orioles minor league system. But first, got to tell you about Built Bar, the best snack out there right now. If you need energy, you need something healthy, and you need something delicious as well. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They've got all these delicious flavors like white chocolate chunk, peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate, just to name a few. And all the bars have 17 grams of protein, so they're good for you. But they've got that candy bar taste. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They are so delicious. It's the perfect snack to go to right in that sweet spot between the taste you want and the health benefits you want from a protein bar as well. So, you know, you keep thinking, I keep thinking, Built Bar can't keep doing this. They can't keep making bars this good that are good for you but they keep doing it. So if you want to get your hands on a Built Bar, go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
And this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Blue Nile. And whether she prefers a statement piece, everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. And listen, Mother's Day is coming up soon. It is next Sunday. And if you want to get that gift, you better get on it. And maybe you want to, you know, find some jewelry for mom. But if you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile helps with that as well. They have jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available by phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. That's the great thing as well. You will find the perfect gift for Mother's Day if you simply just don't know what to get mom. And this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off a purchase of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. And use the code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So the Orioles lose it 10 5 to the Yankees and are swept in the series. And the struggles continue at the major league level for the Orioles. But at the minor league level, exciting things are happening. You know, Adley Rutschman and D.L. Hall on rehab assignments in Aberdeen. Guys tearing it up at AAA. We're getting closer to seeing a lot of these top prospects. But wanted to highlight some guys in the system. And sometimes it'll be some top prospects, but sometimes some lesser-known guys in the system. On a segment, starting today, we're calling Farm Friday, which every few Fridays here on the podcast, we have a segment just dedicated to who's been hot at the minor league level over the past week. We'll pick out one pitcher and one hitter from each of the Orioles' four full-season minor league affiliates and just highlight a good week that they've had and let you know about some prospects in the system. So let's start with AAA Norfolk. And on the mound, a guy I wanted to highlight is right-hander Tim Naughton, who was a 34th-round draft pick by the Orioles all the way back in 2017 under the Dan Duquette regime. And Naughton was... Not great last year. He was in the double-A Bowie bullpen in 2021, and he was their closer for a while, but he really struggled. He had a 4.36 ERA in double-A and 36 appearances last year, but it has not been the same for Tim Naughton this year. And over the last week, two appearances, four scoreless innings, two hits, three Ks, and just one walk. He has four scoreless appearances out of the Norfolk bullpen so far this year. And hey, he's not the Tide's number one go-to reliever, but it's cool to see Naughton jump up a level despite his struggles last year and really turn things around in AAA. But it's really been the offense that has been just striving for Norfolk this year. And the guy we've heard about all season just continues to rip the baseball and that is Tyler Nevin. Again, these stats are over the last seven days. And the last week for Tyler Nevin has been ridiculous. All these stats going into play on Thursday. Nevin 10 for 19 in the last week with five doubles, a homer, two RBIs, two walks. And he has not struck out in that time. And that's the MO of Tyler Nevin, you know, since he came over uh, from the Rockies in the Michael Givens trade in 2020, you know, a, a guy who walks a solid amount but does not strike out a lot, has some sneaky power, but five doubles in his last seven days. Just ridiculous from Tyler Nevin. And look, Kelvin Gutierrez hasn't been fun to watch. Chris Owings hasn't been fun to watch. Rugnet Odor hasn't been fun to watch. Please, Tyler Nevin can play the infield and the outfield. I'm sure he can replace one of those guys, hopefully soon, at the major league level. Down to double-A Bowie. 
Let's start with the pitcher, and let's start with Cameron Bishop, the left-hander who the O's took in the 26th round of the 2017 draft. And he missed a good chunk of 2021 with an injury that kept him out for multiple months last year. But he is back. He is back in Bowie, and he is pitching really well. Three scoreless innings for Bishop this week. No hits, no runs, six Ks, and two walks. That was one relief appearance where he pitched really well. He is probably going to get to AAA Norfolk soon. And uh, then all of a sudden, maybe he starts knocking on the big league door. A really interesting prospect coming off an injury from last year. And then in terms of the hitters, there's a lot of top prospects at Bowie. But how about the catcher Cody Roberts, who the Orioles drafted in the 11th round back in 2018? Four for 12 over the past week with a double, a home run, six RBIs. He's drawn a walk at the plate as well. You know, he's been kind of in the system as a guy who, yeah, can handle the bat, but he's good behind the dish. But the offense has really been kind of stepped up to another level this year for Cody Roberts. And in a system, obviously, with the best catcher in baseball, potentially, at least at the minor league level, in Adley Rutschman. It's also good to have that depth at catcher. And Cody Roberts, definitely a really, really good depth piece catching now at AA Bowie. We head down to Aberdeen, where, of course, the star has been Adley Rutschman making his rehab assignment. And, of course, D.L. Hall uh, will make the start tonight for the Aberdeen Ironbirds as uh, he leaves extended spring and starts to build up towards the major leagues. But how about let's highlight Rico Garcia, another guy who actually started a rehab assignment in high A Aberdeen this week. He pitched out of the bullpen earlier this week through two scoreless innings, allowed one hit, struck out six, and did not walk anyone Fastball was 95-96 for Rico Garcia. He's a 28-year-old right-hander who the Orioles signed to a minor league deal this offseason. We talked about him uh, on an episode earlier this offseason, but Garcia's actually been in the big leagues before, pitched with Colorado and San Francisco in 2019 and 2020 in the bigs, but then got Tommy John surgery and missed all of the 2021 season, but he is finally working his way back and hoping to be back, you know, maybe in the big leagues. But at some point, he's going to get to AAA Norfolk on this rehab assignment, and he's going to be an option for the Orioles at the big league level, maybe as a starter, but probably as a reliever. And he's a guy with major league experience who I think is definitely going to pitch for the O's at some point in 2022. And then on the batting side, you know, we could highlight Adley. We could highlight Kobe Mayo, who's got three homers in his last two games. But going into play on Thursday over the past week, how about the shortstop Colin Burns, who was the Orioles' sixth-round pick out of Tulane in the 2021 draft. Seven for 11 over the last week at the dish with two ribbies, two walks, and just one strikeout. He's now hitting 357 on the year for the Orioles. Pretty good pickup by the O's in the sixth round. Just continues to add to that middle infield depth in the system. And then we go down to low A Delmarva, which in terms of wins and losses has had the most struggles in the Orioles system so far this year, but that's because they are such a young team. It's mostly, you know, international signings, a lot of teenagers, a lot of 20, 21 year olds on this team. But the pitcher I want to point out is Shane Davis. He got a start this week, four innings scoreless, which is one hit allowed, struck out six. Now, he did walk four and did hit a batter as well, so the ball wasn't in play a lot, and you know he struggled with command, but he kept the hits down, didn't give up any runs, got out of jams. Davis was a 2020 undrafted free agent signing after the shortened five-round draft back in 2020, a guy who would have gotten drafted in a regular year, but the Orioles were able to get him as an undrafted free agent signing, and uh, definitely an interesting 22-year-old right-hander in the system. And then as a hitter, how about Greg Cullen, one of the middle infielders who came over from the Atlanta Braves in the Tommy Malone trade back at the 2020 deadline. 
Over the last week, you know, he's on somewhat of a rehab assignment with Loe Delmarva coming back from injury. Five for 16 with a triple, three RBIs, and three walks at the dish. You know, Cullen spent most of the year at double-A buoy last year, so he's trying to work his way back to that level. And again, just another guy who provides minor league depth for the Orioles. But that's our Farm Friday statement. Let me know what you think about that one. You know, if you want to see that segment come back on future Fridays, just to highlight some guys who are swinging it well, throwing it well over the past week in the number one farm system in baseball. But back to the major league level, the Orioles have more baseball games to play this weekend. They are back at Camden Yard starting a 10-game homestand, and it all starts against the Red Sox this weekend. And we're going to preview that series between Baltimore and Boston coming up here in just a second. But first, let's talk about Bet Online. Net. And hey, the Orioles have lost four in a row, really bad loss to the Yankees on Thursday. I think a lot of people would probably wager on the Red Sox to take this series against the O's. But you never know, the O's have played pretty well against Boston over the past couple of years, and maybe they will flip that switch, and maybe they'll get some reinforcements this weekend as well. So maybe you could get some really good odds on the Orioles to win a couple of these games this weekend. Maybe you want to put some money down there. But you can do all your wagering, get all your wagering needs at betonline.net. And not just for MLB, NBA playoffs are in full swing, and the NHL playoffs coming up as well. You can get all the action over at betonline.net. You can also get live scores for games. You can get sports news updates and injury updates. And you can even listen to podcasts like this one over at betonline.net. Plus, you can play your favorite Vegas casino games from the comfort of your own couch. What could be better than that? So head over to betonline.net, where the game starts. So this weekend, previewing the series between the Orioles and the Red Sox, a three-game set Friday through Sunday, which uh, starts a 10-game homestand for the Orioles, tied for their longest of the year. They'll try to snap a four-game losing streak here on Friday night when, as of the recording of this episode here on Thursday evening, the Orioles have yet to name any of the three starting pitchers for the weekend series against Boston. However, the Red Sox have named their starters, and we do have at least an idea of who's going to start for the Orioles. So we'll start with the Friday night game, a 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start at Camden Yards. And the veteran left-hander, Rich Hill, the former Oriole, is going to take the mound for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I can't believe Rich Hill's still pitching at 42, but he's still somewhat effective. He's made three starts this year, has a 4.85 ERA, just seven strikeouts, though, in his 13 innings of work. His last start came against Tampa Bay back on the 24th, but he threw four scoreless innings, struck out only one, and walked three, but was able to limit the damage. The walks have been a little bit of an issue for him this year. He has the seven strikeouts, but the six walks... We'll see what the Orioles' right-handed bats can do against the veteran lefty in Hill. Now, for the Orioles, they have not named their starter yet, but if they kept up with the rotation plan, Spencer Watkins would get the start in Friday night's game. He's coming off a couple of solid starts, especially you know five innings against the Angels his last time out, so he would be scheduled to start the Friday game. But we'll see. Then we go to Saturday, where the Red Sox will send a righty out there. It's their ace, Nathan Eovaldi, who will get the start in the Saturday night game. That is another 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start. Eovaldi's continued to be very good this year. He's made four starts on the season, has a 3-3-2 ERA in 21 of the third innings. He's got 24 strikeouts on the season. And his last time out there was on the 25th against Toronto, seven innings, 
Five hits, two runs, five Ks, and no walks. He continues with really good stuff. The 32-year-old righty, lively fastball, good breaking ball. And Eovaldi, well, he has uh, he has had some pretty good success against the Orioles in his three starts against Baltimore in 2021. 16 in the third innings, 19 Ks, just three walks, and a 2-2-0 ERA against the Orioles last season. So not exactly what the O's want to see. Again, Now, in terms of Rich Hill against the O's last year, it was two starts. He gave up five runs in 10 and two-thirds innings, and he gave up two homers. It was kind of interesting, the two homers that Hill gave up to the Orioles last year. One was hit by Trey Mancini. That tracks. The other was that Austin wins Grand Slam in Tampa last year, which was uh, certainly a funny one last June, but uh, those were the two homers that Hill allowed to the O's last year. In terms of the Orioles starter, well, this is the one that's the mystery. You know, we've been saying all week the Orioles need a Saturday starter when you assume that Spencer Watkins starts the Friday night game. Well, in terms of options on the current roster, I would say Alexander Wells is probably option number one. He pitched an inning and two-thirds out of the bullpen on Tuesday night, which would make him perfectly available on three days rest to maybe not you know go five or six innings, but pitch at least four in the start on Saturday. Other than that, I mean, with Bauman pitching as many pitches as he did on Thursday, he's not really going to be an option. Potentially Keegan Aiken on kind of a shortened start. Maybe you go three innings with Aiken, three innings with Wells, and then you go to the bullpen. That could certainly be an option for the Orioles. And then the other thing you could do is look down in AAA Norfolk and see what you got there. And, of course, the news of the week was Kyle Bradish, who's pitched so well, was originally scheduled to pitch Wednesday. And his start got moved back to Friday night for Norfolk. So we'll see if he makes that start tonight. And if he is not, you know, maybe added to the Orioles roster today, obviously if he makes the start on Friday for Norfolk, he's not coming up. But if there's some sort of late scratch for Kyle Bradish today from Norfolk, he could certainly be the Saturday starter for the Orioles and make his major league debut at Camden Yards. So obviously watch out for that. And then we go to the Sunday game, obviously a day game at Camden Yards, 1.05 p.m. Eastern time start. Nick Pavetta gets the ball for the Red Sox, who kind of had a resurrection in a Red Sox uniform last year. Hasn't gone well this year for Pavetta. The 29-year-old righty in his first four starts of the year has an 8.27 ERA. Now, he has struck out 16 in 16 to the third, but the walks have been a huge issue in his last start in Toronto, four and two-thirds. Three hits, two runs, six Ks, but four walks and four and two-thirds innings. We'll see if the O's can be patient against Pavetta. And the O's did get to Pavetta last year. He actually made five starts against Baltimore in 2021, and they had a 4.44 ERA against the Orioles. And the O's tagged him for six home runs, including one from Cedric Mullins, two from Ryan Mountcastle, and then one each from Austin Wins, Richie Martin, and Michael Franco. Got uh, Pavetta last year, so we'll see if the O's can continue to tag Nick Pavetta. But then we'll be back here on the podcast on Monday to recap everything that happened in the weekend series between the Orioles and the Red Sox, get you the three big takeaways from the weekend. Hopefully one of those takeaways is a breakdown of Kyle Bradish's first Major League start, but we will see if the Orioles decide to bring him up to start that Saturday game. But again, we're back Monday to recap all the weekend action between the O's and the Red Sox. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.